brothers joy for we have changed and all the hope we have we praise in you right now oh, father we declare that we love you we declare your everlasting love for you jesus we
glorify your son that your people may glorify you giving you all the praise for all you have done we look forward to hearing from you God speak that your word may be a blessing unto us in Jesus mighty name Amen. Almighty God, Almighty God, our generation shall praise your name. us with this beautiful declaration of faith. Amen. Amen. Um, any complaint from everything good? Technical? Technical sir? Okay. 31? Yeah. 
It's okay. No, go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. You good? Yeah, you good? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't want us to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. Amen. Amen. I, w I want to thank you, my beloved brothers and sisters, my brethren in Christ Jesus. Uh, wherever you're listening, me, whichever platform you're using to listen, for those of you on Spotify and Co Podcast, I bless God for you. Um, those of you on Instagram, God bless you. Thank you for being live. Uh, I can see some some of us online listening. And those of you on other social media platforms, Facebook, on our Facebook pages, we want to bless God for you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Those of you listening on YouTube channel, we thank God for your life. We bless God. And uh, for those of you listening on on television, we thank God for you for being a part of this ministration. You know, uh, um, this reminds me what the scripture says, when the word of God is so rare. You know, we are in a time that the word of God is so rare. During the time of Eli, the Bible says that the gospel was so rare, the word of God was so rare. You know, people were practicing all sort of immoralities. So the word was so rare and God needed someone to speak out for him and he had to speak through a child. A child had to speak. He had to speak through a child. So this generation, we are so privileged. You know, God gave us a platform that we can spread the gospel. So you have no reason not to broadcast the gospel because he has given us a, a platform, like I said, when the altar was destroyed, God built the temple in all of us. So you have no reason. You can worship him wherever you are. So as you're listening, I implore your honor to be a disciple of Christ by sharing the gospel. As you click share, what you're doing is that you're becoming a disciple of Christ and you're sharing the message. Amen. Amen. So I just want to ask you if you're listening for the first time whether you are live with us or you probably bumped into the message and you are listening you're under the influence of the word of god i implore you to subscribe whichever the uh, platform you're you're listening from just subscribe so you can be part of this mission work whenever we come live you will get the notification that we are coming live since we don't have uh, exact time and date to be on so you can be the first but i think we are usually on twice in a week so if you don't meet in this move of god you'll be part of this move of god so subscribe and uh, be part of this ministration amen. amen today we are going to be speaking on a very sensitive topic a very sensitive topic a man a man of god filled with the glory of God was subdued by a tie of a woman. A tie of a woman, some people call it lapse, some call it knee of a woman, subdued a man of God. A man filled, remember I did not say a pastor, I said a man of God was subdued by a woman. Sometimes people mistake the devil to be a coward. I said devil is not a coward. Devil is never a coward, but he fights cowardly. There is a distinction being a coward and fighting cowardly. 
You know why I say he's not a coward. Devil is not afraid of fighting. But because he doesn't come plainly to fight you, when somebody fights in disguise, you're a coward. When you don't, I mean, you fight cowardly. The devil is not afraid of fighting in the sense that devil picks his fight. Devil fights those with the glory of God. Having the glory of God, having the anointing of God does not scare devil away from you. Devil is allowed to fight you, but he's not allowed to touch your heart. Devil is allowed to play all form of tricks on you, but he is not allowed to touch your heart. Amen. Amen. So I don't want you to have this impression that devil is a coward. He's not. He's such a silly fighter. He fights cowardly. So today we are going to be speaking on this very topic. The tie of a woman subdued a man filled with the glory of God. And that brings this question. I want to ask you, my, uh, my brethren, have you ever asked yourself, how are you going to die? Have you ever wondered, how am I going to die? Are you afraid of death? No. I want to tell you, every child of God should not be afraid of death. But you should be afraid of dying. There is a distinction, death and dying. Death is inevitable, something that we must all pass through in life. But dying is a situation you can decide and make a decision for yourself. I was telling some folks and I said, have you wondered why politicians are not sworn into office the day they won the elections? They are called elects, uh, uh, president-elect. And it takes few weeks, few months to plan the ceremonial, swearing-in ceremonial of the president. Oh, the gubernatorial elect. A governor just won the election, but he has not been sworn in. So he is an elect. Do you know that you are an elect of Christ? Do you know that the day you received Jesus, the day you accepted him, that's the day he handed you over, you became a partaker of eternal life. You became an elect, eternal life elect. That's what you are. The day you accepted Jesus and said, hey, I've made a decision to follow Jesus, that's the day you have been elected to have eternal life. So eternal life is not when you died. You receive the eternal life the day you are a child of God. You are an elect of Christ. But let me tell you something. Just like the politicians, when a politician wins election, he is an elect, but he is not confirmed leader or president until he's sworn in. Meaning anything can happen and his election can be annulled. Annulment means you never won it. Anything can happen that elect title can be taken away from him. That's the point. Because a lot of people will go to tribunal. A lot of people will go to court. They want to prove why that's this person should not be sworn in. They want to make a point that this person is not qualified to be a leader. That this person is not qualified to be sworn in. Even though for politicians, sometimes when they are sworn in, the enemies or their oppos oppositions keep fighting them. Their opponents, rather, keep fighting them. But devil 
is the accuser of the brethren. The moment you receive Jesus, have you ever wondered? You never had any temptation, everything moving smoothly for you? But the day you receive Jesus, you have been exposed to a lot of danger because you are an elect. And the, your opponent is the devil. Devil belongs to the opposition party. The party that refused you to be sworn in because he knows that you are an elect. And devil will do everything to fight you to make sure that you meet, that your election is being annulled. How come you have been elect? Jesus elected you the day you accepted him. And devil will go all out to prove to Jesus why you should not be sworn in. That's why I said devil is not afraid of any battle. He's not afraid of, of fighting you. But the point is that he comes in disguise and you do not know that devil is fighting you because he comes to fight you in disguise. He doesn't come for you to know, oh, I'm the one fighting. He can come with your family member. He can come with your parents. He can come in form of your children. He can come in form of your colleagues, cousins and friends, and even brothers and sisters, even your twins. Devil is not happy that you have been chosen by God. So devil can fight you in, in many ways. Devil can fight you through false prophecies. That's why the Bible says in Luke chapter 11, when you look, read Luke chapter 11, 29 to 32, it says it will be worse in this generation that seeks for signs and wonders. It will be worse than the days of Solomon. He says the queen of the south migrated from the end of the world to search for Solomon's wisdom. She migrated. I remember it took her years for her to come from Africa. And mind you, the Bible says the end of the world. So you know where the end of the world is. Africa is the end of the world. He says she migrated from the end of the world just to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. But the Bible says, he that is greater than Solomon is here speaking. That's Jesus. But we did not receive him. So it will be worse than this generation because they never sought for signs. They were looking for the true message. They were looking for wisdom. But we were looking for signs. We are so much enticed with signs. We go to churches and we are not after the word of God. We are after to the prophetic pastor that can tell us our past without having a solution to the future. It's called this evil generation. A generation that doesn't value the word, the undiluted word of God. A generation that worship their pastors, that worship images. When Jesus says, thou, say, thou shalt not worship an image. But you worship an image. But you never knew that you are worshiping an image. He says, it will be worse than this generation. Because Nineveh heard the word and they repented. God gave them a sign through Jonah. And they heard from Jonah and they repented. But this generation, upon everything Jesus did, we refused to repent. So devil knew, knowing very well, that this generation loves signs. Guess what he says? He is after to deceive the elect. Now I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24 from verse 24. The Bible says, for false Christ and false prophets. I just want to pause it there. It says false Christ. So when you see a pastor say, I prophesy to you in the name of Jesus, don't be deceived. 
He said, there shall be false Christ. I made this revelation during one of my encounters. And I said, God opened my eyes and I saw the Bible people were, a lot of people I thought were men of God, powerful men of God, took me to a, a place and I was like, I know this man. And I saw a face that looks like, they said, this is Jesus. I could recognize him. But the angel of the Lord says, no, that's a familiar spirit. That is not Jesus. And that is whom they worship. Since then, any picture or any image that people have as Jesus, I destroy them. He says, that is not the Jesus you know. Because the Jesus you know is a resemblance of whom you, what you look like. So he says, all oh, these people, this is the Jesus. I thought these were men of God, powerful men of God. I could vouch that these are men of God. But he says, no, false prophets, worshiping false Christ, and using false Christ to perform magic. Now, let me start again. Verse 24. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs, wonders to deceive. Listen, he says, if possible, even the elect. If possible, those that have been chosen. He says, if possible, those that are partaker of eternal life. So you are an elect. The moment you receive Jesus, ask yourself, how will you die? Death will definitely come. But how will you die? But when you see all these false prophets serving false Christ, they have their paradise here on earth just to deceive you. Everything is centered on the world, not on the word of God anymore. Everything is centered because they deceive you, they confuse you with their magical tricks. They confuse you with their false prophetic utterances. They confuse you with their false healing powers. He says, even the elect will be deceived. How do you want to spend your internal life? How do you want to die? Are you going to die shamefully like the first Nazareth? The Bible told us of the first Nazareth. The first Nazarene Samson. Samson, there are two Nazarenes mentioned in the Bible. First was Samson, second Jesus Christ. Samson was a Nazarene, a man filled with the glory of God. From birth, he was anointed to be a deliverer because each time the Israelites sin, God allows them to go into captivity just for them to be disciplined. And God always sends a deliverer to deliver them. So during the time of Samson, he was a judge. A judge then was more like a president. He was a judge over the Israelites. And the Israelites had hoped that Samson was going to deliver them from the hands of Philistines. They had believed because they witnessed Samson destroy the lion. When it came, they witnessed Samson fought the enemies and destroyed them, killed thousands just with their jawbone. So they believed that he was their deliverer. But like I told you, devil is not afraid of fighting. Devil is not afraid of fighting. Even though Samson was a Nazarene. A man that knew no sin. A man that was anointed just to deliver the world. To deliver the Israelites from captivity. But devil was plotting, busy plotting how to destroy Samson. Devil understood that he has a weakness. He understood that Samson is, is a mere mortal. He understood that even though he had the glory of God, but he is not Christ, that he can be destroyed. 
devil knew there is a price tag on Samson. It may not be monetized price tag. It may not be monetary price tag. But he knew there is a weakness. And he wanted a way to subdue the power of God in Samson. Despite the anointing, despite everything he had, he took a tie of a woman to destroy Samson. Had it been lion killed Samson, Samson would have been, Samson would have been a, a great man. Had it been that his enemies killed him, Samson would have been remembered because he fought so hard. But a woman without an arrow, without a spear, without a gun, without a machet, with no weapon, a harmless beauty, destroyed a man of God, filled with the glory of God, filled with the anointing of God. When you read Judges chapter 16, when you read from verse 16 to 20, in verse 19, there is something Samson said that hurt my feelings. When you read from verse 16, he says something. When Delilah pressed on him, because Samson kept deceiving Delilah, for the first time he deceived Delilah, lied to Delilah, a man of God, lying. Then Delilah called the laws of the Philistines to capture Samson, and Samson would go and destroy them. But it came to pass at some point, Delilah couldn't take it anymore. Delilah said, how could I trust you? How could I trust you? You told me you're going to divorce your wife and make me the first lady of your church. How could I trust you? I have seen some pastors, they have, they have their uh, 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 concubines. And their concubines are more powerful in the church than their wives. Their concubines tell them what to do in the church. And the wife is, more, is a ceremonial uh, uh, um, mother, whatever they call her. She's just a ceremony. The pastor goes to preach without the wife. The pastor does everything without the wife. In the church. The wife is just the wife. So Delilah questions Samson and says, Samson, you promised me you are going to destroy this. You are going to divorce your wife. You are going to do this for me. You are going to kick out your children just for me. But you have lied to me. Samson, you have lied to me. I asked you, where is the power? Where does the power of God lie? That I may bound you. Samson wasn't afraid of death, but he wasn't afraid of dying. That's the mistake he made. Yes, not being afraid of death is the right thing for a child of God to do. To, because you are an elect, you shouldn't be afraid of death. You know when death comes, you know where you're going. But he should be afraid of dying. If Samson was afraid of dying, he wouldn't have given up to Delilah. Because Delilah did not attack him. Delilah did not attack him or poison him, but Delilah wanted something from him, for him to betray Christ, for him to release the secret of his power. And Delilah said, since you can't do this to me, since it was so difficult for you to tell me the source of your power and your strength, I'm going to leave you, Samson. Samson cried. The Bible says his spirit versed to death. His soul was so troubled to death that Samson said to Delilah, Delilah, instead of you to go, let the power of God depart. Instead of Delilah to live his life, let the power of God depart. A lot of preachers have let go of the power of God in their lives. A lot of preachers have let go of the power of God in their lives. But because they are so eloquent, because they are so eloquent, 
People don't get to see that the power has left. The power left the day you committed adultery. The power left the day you became a deceit to your generation. God forbid that I will come here and minister the gospel and speak under the unction of the Holy Spirit and I'll be living a secret life. God forbid. God forbid that I will spend my time, I'll call it a waste if I indulge in such stupidity. I will come and minister the gospel, speak under the unction of the Holy Spirit, and I'll go out to minister and I'll have a girl waiting in the room just to massage my back and spend quality night with me. God forbid. A lot of men of God are living such a deceitful life, such a shameful life, just as Samson did. But they forgot that devil is not afraid of the anointing. If devil is afraid of the anointing, he would have been afraid of Christ. But the moment Jesus was declared the son of God, that was when devil went after him. So devil is not afraid of what you carry. Devil is only afraid of it when you respect what you carry. When you value what you carry. When you treasure the anointing, that's when it scares the devil away. But when there is a loophole like Samson, Samson said, instead of Delilah to leave, instead of Delilah to depart from me, let the anointing of the Holy Ghost leave. Let the power of the Holy Ghost leave. Let the salvation I have leave. Samson said that, and he began to confess to Delilah. The Bible says, Delilah knew he spoke the truth. And I'm going to read verse 19 what happened. Judges chapter 16, when you read from verse 16, but I'm going to read from verse 19 for the sake of time. The Bible says in verse 19, Then she lured him to sleep on her thighs, and called for a man, and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. After the confession, she lured him, said, come, you've told me the truth. You've made that promise. You're going to abandon your family. You made that promise to me. You made that promise to me. You're going to bring all those titan offering and let us go and live, a, uh, 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 live in paradise. You're going to buy me mansions. You've made that promise to me. Come, let me give you what you want. And she lured him and he slept on his ties, on her ties. A tie of a woman, a tie of a woman, destroyed a tongue-speaking man of God. Not the arrow of the enemy, a tie of a woman. Destroyed in verse 20, it says. And she said, and she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. He did not know that the power of God had left him. That's one thing with the Holy Spirit. He's so gentle and sweet. The moment you reject him, he lives quietly without you knowing. He doesn't brag. He doesn't make noise. He doesn't question you why you've chosen devil over him. He left. And Samson woke up shamefully. He died the most shameful death, dying with your enemy. No wonder when Philip went to Nathaniel to tell Nathaniel they have found the Messiah. Nathaniel was so excited to hear 
about the Messiah. But there was a mistake. The moment Philip said to Nathaniel, the Messiah is a Nazareth, is from Nazareth, a Nazareth. The Bible says Philip was so, Nathaniel was so mad. Nathaniel remembered the shame the first, the first Nazareth brought upon them. And Nathaniel said, can anything good, anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip said, come and see. Listen to me. I don't know your impression about Christ. I don't know your impression about church or Christianity. I don't know your impression because you have seen some pastors brought shame to the kingdom of God and you've believed that you said to yourself, you can never ever accept Jesus just because of that person. Nathaniel did that because Samson brought shame to the body of Christ. And Nathaniel said, never, nothing good could ever come from Nazareth. Nothing at all. So I do not blame you. Some of you are very, very angry because of what lifestyle they've seen their neighbor, who is a Christian, who goes to church Monday to Sunday. The lifestyle they live. And they said, if this is how Christians behave, I don't want to be a Christian. I know you have seen some lifestyle of some preachers after preaching, and when they go to places they are not known, they are monsters. And you said, if this is how they behave, I don't want to be one. But I want to tell you something. Heavenly race is an individualistic race. It's a personal race. I do not run that race because my pastor is running that race. I don't go to church just to look at my pastor. Because my pastor is not the God that I see. The God I see lives in me. I worship him in truth and in spirit. Don't let your anger blackmail you and turn you into a coward. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 21 verse 8, it gives us definition of cowardice. Devil is not a coward, but human beings could be cowards. In verse 8 it says, but the cowardly, he defined this, called it the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable. This is what they do. If you, if you find yourself in this category, you are a coward. It says, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now you can see the category of cowards. I don't want you to be there. If you are an unbeliever, you are a coward, you are afraid of knowing the truth. The Bible classifies you as one. And we cannot make God a liar. So I just want you to know, it's a personal race. It's a race you, lo you, you run for yourself, by yourself, on your, on your own. It's a decision you make. Today, and my, me and my household, we made that decision to serve the Lord. Nobody influenced me. I'm not doing it out of impulse. I'm not doing it because I need any earthly favor. No, I'm doing it because I'm not afraid of death, but I want to die righteously. I don't want to go to heaven with my gifts. And I'll tell God I was so busy making money, that's why I couldn't preach the gospel. And I'll tell God I'm so busy making money, taking care of families, hustling so well that I couldn't 
preach the gospel. We said no. Now there is a platform. We can make money in the day, but in the night we can preach the gospel. We can make money at night, but in the day we can preach the gospel that you may not go to heaven with your gift. Imagine what God will ask you. I gave you gift of healing. Why didn't you use it? I gave you gift as a peacemaker. Why didn't you use it? I gave you gift as a teacher. Why didn't you use it? Ask yourself this question. When you die, how do you want to be celebrated in heaven? Do you want to die and find yourself on the table of righteousness? Or do you want to die and find yourself in the law courts of persecution by the devil? Trying to deny you to be sworn in as God's elect. As we end tonight's ministration, I just want you to ask yourself this question. I just want you to puzzle in your heart and ponder and ask yourself, if the trumpet sounds today, am I at peace with Christ Jesus? Am I going to spend eternal life with Christ Jesus? Or will it be taken away from me? Will my eternal life be annulled because of my errors? You have a choice to make, and the choice is yours. To receive Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, or to reject him. We're going to pray with this song. Praise God. message to you for you to know the promise God has given you as we end this ministration if you're still doubting it God gave you a promise in John chapter 10 verse 28 to 30 he says and I gave them eternal life that's Jesus speaking and they shall never perish I just want to let you know the importance of this he says I gave them eternal life and they shall never perish Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. This is Jesus speaking. He says, neither shall anyone take it away from you. So he has given it to you on earth the day you receive him. It's just, it's just a personal decision you make. Don't look at anybody's lifestyle. In verse 29, he says, he, he was assuring them the importance of having this eternal life. He says, my father who has given them to me. I, I could imagine Jesus speaking to them like a baby. Because for, for a child to understand you, you have to behave like them. So Jesus was demonstrating it like a baby. He was speaking like a baby. He says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. 
and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. He, 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 just imagine, just visualize this. Jesus was telling them, and they, they wanted to know more about his father. Then Jesus said in verse 30, I and my father are one. Jesus was emphasizing on the importance of eternal life. It's so important. It's, it's, sometimes I wish God could open your eyes. When, some, when people die, we cry. We on earth, we cry, we cry, we, we groan. But if we could open our eyes, just as the rich man's eye was open, he beheld it. He saw Lazarus in the kingdom. He could see Moses. And he saw his people crying for him, mourning for him when his eternal life was annulled and he was in hell. He saw a revelation and he was in hell. And he was asking God to send Moses, send the saints to go and speak to his siblings to tell them the importance of eternal life. This is real. Imagine you control so much wealth on earth and you died, and you found out that those worlds did not go with you. And, and Revelation 21.8 became a reality to you. Is that what you want? I'm not saying this to scare you, but I just want to let you know. Do not look at the lifestyle of your preacher. Do not look at the lifestyle of your pastor, or your siblings, or your parents to determine if you want to have eternal life. It's a personal decision. It doesn't matter the lifestyle you have lived in the past. But if you confess Jesus and say, I receive you, it doesn't matter. He says, I will wash your sin, even though your sin is darker than charcoal. I'm going to wash it to be brighter than, than snow. That's the promise Jesus made. As we sing this song, I'm not going to pray for you. I just want this song to be your prayer topic. As you confess Jesus and receive him. I did this. I received Jesus. And I can tell you the peace I have in my home. I can tell you the peace I have in my marriage. I can tell you the peace I have in my business. I can tell you the peace I have in my life. That if I drop dead today. If I die tonight. I know where I'm going. Weep not for me. But I just want you. Those that are weeping for the saints. Ask yourself. Where will you be if. Jesus comes today. If the trumpet of rapture sounds today, are you going to be raptured? Or will you be here? And Revelation 21.8 becomes a reality to you. Just make this prayer. Ask him to come to your heart. Ask him to take preeminence control. That's all it takes. It doesn't cost you money. It doesn't cost your time. Just make this peace with Christ. You don't want to end like Samson did. Dying with your enemies. Those that wished your downfall. Those that prophesied ill of you. You ended up dying with them. God forbid. May it not be your portion. Child of God. As you receive Jesus in your life. Letting him come into your life. Jesus will not remember your past for you have a new life just as he promised you and he gave you that assurance the eternal life will not be taken away from you I implore your honor with utmost humility to receive Jesus and receive life in the mighty name of Jesus I pray Amen
is uh